down, buckle up and turn the volume to 11. This is the Auto Action Rev Limiter with Auto Action's Bruce Williams and Paul Gover and your host, Andrew Clark. Andrew, uh, the recording started, mate. Do you want to run us through the introduction like you normally would at the start of the show or do you want me to take over? No, I'll do it, Bruce. I'm okay. You should do it, mate. Come on. Yeah. They're recording. The funders are waiting for you to make. They're breathless. They're breathless expectation. They Come are too. So hello and welcome to the Auto Action Rev Limiter. This week, we're bracing ourselves for a massive fortnight, starting with the Formula One in Las Vegas, which some people can give or take, and then we've got the supercars in Adelaide next week. And that is on the back of a big weekend just gone with historics everywhere and yet another secret speed series round. So to help me break it all down, we've got Auto Action's Bruce Williams and Paul Gover. Welcome, Bruce. How are you recovering after your big day yesterday putting the magazine to bed? Well, Andrew, we're champing at the bit. We've got lots to talk about tonight. Uh, a little bit fatigued, but um, it's all good. Uh, I've had a nice afternoon with uh, with uh, Mark from uh, Malvern talking about motorsport and all things to do with that. Had a fit chat with uh, Barry from the Blue Mountains, and we've organised a bit of a whack list for later. There's plenty going on, and um, yeah, we've got um, Paulie's already Paul Paulie's already on the back foot. He's defending. Uh, a fairly rising, a rising ball off the pitch at the moment, and uh, we've already given Paul a bit of a bit of a tune up before the start of the show. So we'll see. I, where I, I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be helping you to whack other people, not getting whacked by you, Bruce. That's well, not how it works. You shouldn't try and defend the indefensible. Well, it is this week. Is this week? All right, let's go through it all, guys. We've got a bit of a young guns chat to have to start with. So, um, we're hearing that our good friends at AC Delco, who are always on the lookout to support the young talent, are about to announce a 2024 sponsorship for 16-year-old Alice Buckley. Um, from what I know, Alice is racing in the Toyota 86s in New Zealand, starting this weekend in Taupo, and then next year in a new GR86. What's the buzz you've heard, Brucey? Well, young Alice has been um, – she's a lovely young lady. They're, they're out of Queensland and um, under sort of the, the – uh, involved with Paul Morris a little bit. Alice has been racing the the uh, XL series. In fact, just recently uh, her and Nash Morris teamed up to win a, an endurance race up there. But um, young Alice has been doing a lovely job in um, in the uh, – XL series, and she's had a she's had a dabble in the Toyota eighty six in the I think it's called the um, what's it called PG? It's the trophy class or the introduction class. It's not the main game, but um, yeah, she trophy. Yeah, she's she had a run in Queensland. She did very well up at Townsville. Um, she's been running around, and our very very good friends at AC Delco, who are a little bit like Auto Action, we uh, pick up on the young talent, and they've. Um, They've uh, had a little bit to do with her, with their through their involvement with Jared Hughes. It's another young kid on the rise, and they really love Alice and her family. And um, so they've given a little bit of money. It's it's a bit of a leak, you know. They haven't actually made the announcement, but Alice is going over to New Zealand. She's going to race over there at Taupo, uh, where the supercars will be racing early next year. And um, the chat is it's a bit of chat at the moment that she might find her way into. Uh, a super three car or or something else next year. So mm-hmm. I love the fact that these young kids get an opportunity. She's got some good people around her. Morris is helping her out and guiding her. I mean, Morris does know how to get people. He's a bit of a muscler. He's a bit like a rugby union front rower, you know, he pushes and shoves. And if you've got <laughs> him on you 
if you've got him on your side, it's a good thing. But um, I'm wrapped that um, our very, very good friends at AC Delco have uh, have uh, decided to put a little bit of money in and help her out. Well, let's hope that we haven't stolen the show on AC Delco and they're a bit grumpy with us because we um, we like their sponsorship. We like their money. Um, Another one is uh, young Cameron McLeod, somebody else who we've been following all action for a little bit, and uh, he's uh, supposed to have tested the WAU car today, but uh, rained a bit, so it's uh, been pushed out for tomorrow. Um, no comment from um, WAU on what their plans are with the with the young guy who seems to be winning in pretty much everything he's doing. But I want to raise a couple of bits about it. One is the curiosity that because he's a Super Three driver, he's only allowed to do ten laps in the car which I find quite bizarre. If he was driving anything else like an 86 or a Formula Ford or whatever, he could drive as many laps as I wanted to give him. So it's a really strange little rule, isn't it, Paul? I think it's dumb because apart from anything else, a Super 3 car is nearly as old as me and probably as slow as me as well. You know what I mean? (laughs) Is there much much transfer? Are you going to learn, you know, is he going to bring all his knowledge from Super 3 and make that other car go faster? Bubble. No, it's dumb. Look, it's interesting. I, um, as you guys may know, or the the, the listeners, we've we, we're a big rap for Cameron. Um, we have been for a long time. I've watched his progress. I have a relationship. Ryan and Belinda, his parents, are very good friends, dear friends of mine for a long time. And you know, um, people may or may not not know, but. Um, Obviously, Ryan, his dad raced in in Super Two and Development Series and various other things. He had to go at Formula Holden for a while until he turned one into a two piece fireball at uh, Oran Park one weekend. Um, good people, real racers, and of course, uh, Cam's grandfather is um, Peter McLeod, who was a, a famous Group C driver. He raced in Commodores and Mazdas, and uh, he uh, was the third driver. In fact, he started the race at Bathurst in 1997 in the number ten. Holden Dealer team car, and uh, he went on to win that race after the uh, the two dodgy, illegal, should never have been there in the first place, morally bankrupt Texaco um, Sierras won. Am I allowed to say morally bankrupt Texaco Sierras? Look, the fact is, Bruce, they were cheating and they got caught. <laughs> but what pisses me off is they were cheating before the race and we all knew it. And uh, they were allowed to start the race. But anyway, we've yes, got but, but we just had a similar thing happening, Bruce, with the TCRs coming from Europe. Now, are we racing to Motorsport Australia rules? No contact and all that? Well, let me tell you, they came with the WWE rules that they race under. <laughs> exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all going to be nice. First corner, first lap, bang, crash. Oh, oh cool. Well, we'll, we'll, get into those, we'll get into those guys in a minute. We're, but, um, we're meandering. Can we get back to the point? Yeah, so let's just wrap it up on young Cameron McLeod. Um, uh, just quickly, I, so Cam was supposed to test today. Um, he was up there testing his Nissan, but it got rained out at Winton. He's 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 been incredibly fast in the Super Three series, fighting with the front few in Super Two. Um, he 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 dominated in the sports sedans recently up on the Gold Coast. He ran a race for Super Three for uh, just for uh, V8 touring cars at Bathurst on the weekend. Um, whatever he drives, and what's really good about it, he doesn't damage the car. He's super smooth. He's a really nice young kid. I spoke briefly to um, to the bosses at Walkinshaw Andretti United, and they've got some other young kids, so they didn't pump him up too much. But there's a lot of interest in Cameron, and um, 
uh, we better if our friends up in uh, down in um, in the southern states, the other one of the other media outlets, and we'll whip our friends up in Queensland into a frenzy, <laughs> so they'll give them something to they'll get themselves whipped up tomorrow, so there'll be a big story. But, yeah, as well, as far um, as somebody we need to make a note of because he will be, without doubt, a supercar driver in the next couple of years. Have I said enough? Yeah, but as far as we know, there's um, as far as we know, there's at least one other team in addition to WA looking at him. So uh, with that, pretty good outcome there. Pretty good. Yeah. Now, before we get to our quick break, um, historics they seem to be everywhere last weekend. There was Sandown, Baskerville, the Bend. Um, Brucey, I think you went out to Sandown for a bit of a old timers afternoon. <laughs> no, um, well, in truth of fact, the there's been a series of events. There was the Bend Classic uh, over in South Australia. Um, a couple of weeks ago, then there was a fabulous meeting down at Basketville, which the three of us need to make organise next year. We need to book the flights, yeah. we need to book the accommodation, and the three of us need to go down there and have a really chilled. It was the biggest crowd they've ever had at Basketville. It was actually a tribute to one of our our dear friends, and I say this because it is true. JB, um, it was a celebration of John Bow, and as we know in Tasmanian, you know there was. There might have been four or five or thousand people, but there were ten thousand heads there on the day watching <laughs> JB running around. I mean, they really love him down there. And he mentioned to me, we talked about it during the week. He was actually really quite emotional about it. He was a bit overcome by the, all the enthusiasm. And um, but it was a great event. They had some historic sports sedans. They had racing cars. They had uh, all sorts of stuff. Huge crowd, magnificent venue, that incredible um, uh, amphitheatre that, that is Baskerville. You know, it's an old school track. They could, I can remember in the late um, 70s, they used to run a traditional Christmas touring car meeting there. I think it was a Baskerville 10,000 or whatever. Huge money. All the super scars of touring cars used to go down there. But that was a great event. But um, last weekend we had historic sand down and the VHRR had a, another terrific event, and nearly well, – it was over 260 entries and there's some fantastic – I mean, historic touring cars, um, Formula Ford, huge fields of 30 cars, historic touring cars had 50 or 60 cars there, incredible cars, fast cars, all sorts of things like McLarens and just just incredible – just an incredible weekend. And, of course, for old tossers, um, not only do you get a chance to to see these cars being driven in anger, driven the way they're meant to be, you can't walk five feet without catching up to with, with thirty thousand people. You know, it was a beautiful weekend. Weather was fantastic. Um, I like the fact that there was hardly a motorsport Australia official to be seen in sight. You could wander around, um, talk to people, stumble out into the pit lane, touch the cars, look at the cars, touch the drivers. Um, it was just good. It was fantastic. Yeah, when you touched the drivers, did they get upset with yeah, you? Yeah, I was about to say, which drivers were you touching, Bruce? Oh, it's a mutual touching session out there. Um, it was really good. And what I liked about it, I won't mention their names, but there were several people who were involved in supercars. And it's really interesting. You get to when you're when you're at a supercars event, these people are almost you, you can't talk to them. They're so wound up and caught up in that whole supercar tension and drama and you get to them you get to them at a race meeting like yeah. um, Sandown, which is just it's pure motorsport and it's fun 
and they just they just chat and they tell you all about what's what's going on and what they love. And the old historic sports and ends were there, and there was some fantastic stuff. There was. was did you did you have a good look at the Beast Bruce? That was the one I wanted to see. The Columbon Peter Brock Tirana XU one more. Yeah, it's not the real car. Um, uh, PG, it's a replica, but it still looks pretty good. But it's not been driven angry. It needs to be grabbed by the throat and hurled around. But the really impressive cars were the um, uh, a couple of the cars that Brian Thompson was originally involved with, and um, they were built by uh, Peter Fowler. So you had Brian Thompson's Mercedes 450 SEL, which is a big. Brad Jones drove it, John Bauer yep. drove it, Tomo drove it. Fantastic car. Back in the day, it was a, yeah. an unbelievable car. And, of course, one of the highlights was the the reproduction of the Volksrelay, which is a car that Peter Fowler and Thompson created in uh, 1974 to compete in sports sedan. And, and, and it, they re- the car got destroyed. It got cut up, sent to the tip, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't exist anymore. So they've recreated, and it's just a fantastic thing. Um and, um, of course, Graham Winkup's old Monza was there, which Kerry McMahon has restored. Unbelievable. Not sure. Kerry told me there was oil on the track, and I'm not going to dispute the fact, but he gave a little bit of a touch-up on the front end, so Kerry didn't run. But just fantastic. And and it'll this leads to my touch-up later in the show. What an incredible thing it is to walk around and see all the creativity and engineering prowess and thoughts and design and wonderful thing because there wasn't one car out there that looked like another car. I loved it. A good show. And, of course, we've got... Excellent. You've also placed on the agenda for a quick chat the Adelaide Motorsport Festival for next year. Oh, well, I mean, okay, so we've just had a feast of historic motorsport. Um, We've got two great events coming up early next year. One is the uh, Phillip Island Classic run by the VHRR, which is probably the biggest event in the Southern Hemisphere, and that's in the traditional March event. I think it's a long weekend in Victoria. It's usually just a couple of weekends before the Grand Prix because I've been to it. I love it. It's a great event. Three or 400 cars there next year, um, and quickly I'll touch on it. There was a a first round of the the revived, um, I think they're calling it a Tasman series, but a, a series for Formula 5000 cars, historic Formula 5000 cars. They had 20 cars there, all banging and crashing into each other. They've got four rounds in New Zealand, and their final round is going to be at Phillip Island. And they're talking about with with 10 or 12 or 15 local cars and 15 or 20 Kiwi cars coming over, they're talking about 30, car, 30 Formula 5000s at Phillip Island. That'll be worth the admission just to see them on the grid, let alone go and watch them run. Um but, of course, after that, we've got another fantastic event in Adelaide, which is it's run on the, the sort of the, the two-third or a third of the, um, the Adelaide uh, 500 track, and it, it, it's the Adelaide Festival of Motorsport, and um, it has everything from Formula One cars, old Formula One cars, right through to MotoGP bikes and the Mazda uh, Le Mans cars going to be there. It's a fantastic event, and, again, we're so lucky. If you want to go and watch – interesting cars and and touch them and look at them and see what's underneath the bodywork and talk to the people that work on them these historic events are well worth um worth worth having a look at anyway um andrew i know it was supposed to be a short introduction and you've well, no, lost it's trying to be long because you, you, you waffled 
Is it time for the... I would um, have said he blathered anyway. He was happy <laughs> and smiling. And if Bruce is happy, we're happy. Well, he's supposed to be winding up for a whack later in the show, so I'm not sure what's going on here. Like, you know, he's meant to be starting to see froth and you know, those veins in the top of his head, you know, all those things we, we should be seeing. Andrew, or thing anyway. Andrew, you're jumping ahead. I can in- instantly morph into that person. <laughs> Excellent. Anyway, well, instead of morphing into that, we're going to have a quick break from uh, listening to our friends from AC Delco. Hey, my name's Jared Hughes. I'm racing the AC Delco Toyota 86 in the 2023 TGR 86 Series. Hey guys, Aaron Borg, driver of the AC Delco Isuzu D-Max in the Super Ute Series. Hey, I'm Brock Feeney, driving the number 88 Red Bull Ampole Racing Camaro, supported by AC Delco. Hi, Craig Lowndes here. We all trust in AC Delco, and so should you, because certainty starts here. Check out the full range of AC Delco all makes auto parts at acdelco.com.au. The Subaru Canberra Rally at Canberra returns this weekend for the grand final of the Bosch Motorsport Australia Rally Championship. Four-time winner Harry Bates will battle his brother Lewis for championship honours with a bumper field of contenders including Subaru's Molly Taylor lining up to spoil the party. Catch all the action on Saturday out past Connor Reserve and at the Cowan Rally Village on Sunday with the championship deciding Eero Power Stage and Podium Celebrations. Visit our Facebook and Instagram or rallyofcanberra.com.au. Alrighty, we're back here at the Rev Limit. Oh, sorry, the Auto Action Rev Limit. I've got to get it all right, don't we? Uh, we're going to have a chat about supercars right now, and um, we're not going to touch on the championship decider because that's for our discussion next week. So I will flag with the two boys over the other end there that uh, I'm going to want some predictions next week. Um, and if you tell me um, something like Will Brown's going to win the championship, I'll say you're wrong because it can only be two. But we'll do that next week. Um We've got a big story in auto action this week because it's been rolling around, Bruce. Um, supercars and its financial position. Um, there's been lots of stories. There's been people hitting social media. Um, I thought we'd be pulling out a coffin and putting supercars in a grave by now, but um, we've had a chat with Barclay and it doesn't seem like that's quite right. Well, we did touch on this last week and um, so the stories in this issue of the magazine, he's on the record, he's said what he said. Um, as we said last week, he's not, you know, they're, you know, they're mindful. I mean, they're running a business and they have to be, you know, they have to do all across all the T's and dot the I's and all that sort of stuff. But they've had an investment phase. And I think the big take out of what Barclays told us is the fact that, um, you know, for a long time there was under investment in the category. They've just gone through a huge phase where, you know, the cars that were being raced for the last 30 odd years don't, are no longer sold or manufactured in the country so they've had to completely reinvent themselves and they've rightly or wrongly been guided down the path of gen 3 and um we've well i'm certainly on the record as being a critic of gen 3 i think they made a huge mistake um the cars are way too complicated way too technical and um and that, that's come at a price for the owners the current owners of supercars which is race but uh, no they had a good chat with barclay um, it's in the latest mag. He's up front. He's honest. He actually sent me a text today and he said, oh, you know, still don't feel comfortable about being on the record with what I've said, but it's there. It's in print and um, <laughs> it is what it is. At which point you said, uh, too late, Bucks, it's done. I said, oh, well, you've said it. It's on the record. Uh, bad luck. Yes, anyway. We, um, I had a bit more chat to the financial people today, and um, yeah, they don't. They bit more discussion about it. They they don't seem overly concerned either. So looks like everything's okay in supercar land, but uh, only time will tell okay. the answer. Okay, 
okay. Financially. You're talking about one part of the whole business. Have you had a look at the calendar? How can you well, say it's okay? Well, that's the next bullet point. You're going early. The underwhelming. I always want to go early. Jump. Look, the fact of the matter is, if you if you're going to jump start, jump start by a long way and try and get back in front. You're doing a. Peter it is Jansen. a pretty ordinary effort. You're doing a Peter Jansen. You've 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 left the, left off the front row of the grid when the thirty second board's gone up. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> oh, the calendar. I'm so happy. Given that you only get a five, I'm so happy we had to wait. I'm so happy we had to wait that long for that calendar. Um, I could have done that, I reckon, six months ago on the back of a piece of paper and said, "No, you would have done better than that. You would have done better than that, Andrew." And the other thing is, last time I looked, you can count up to more than twelve. I know I've got more than twelve figures. Oh, have I? No, hang on. No, you're, no, no. We're not talking about basketball now. We're back in Melbourne. <laughs> anyway, um, of course, there's the excuse of the Olympics, which um, hasn't seemed to stop every other sport from keeping decent numbers up there. So I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not really buying seriously? that one. Seriously, the Olympics? Yeah. Apparently, oh, well, all the all watch out because the Geelong Tiddlywinks is on as well. You know. All the cameramen in the country are heading off to France, so uh, that's one of the reasons why. But um, let's go to a couple of things in there. There's a couple of things that really bug me about it. One is, of course, that there's only 12 rounds, and it's interesting that they're calling them rounds again, um, even though there's no round points or anything, but they call them rounds. 12 of them. Seriously, what's going on? Yeah, and one of them's not in Australia, so it's actually 11 rounds. Yeah. No, Paul, Paul. Why do you why are you saying there's only eleven rounds? Thirty or because the last because the last time there were that few rounds in Australia was more than twenty years ago. Nineteen ninety eight was the last time we had less than thirteen rounds of ignoring the COVID year, but um yeah, long time ago. So the sport. Yeah. It doesn't feel like we've just talked about the financials and saying everything's okay or we're being told everything's okay, but then you come up with a calendar like this and to me it's like, whew, it's almost like a TCR thing, isn't it? It's almost like it's on its deathbed. Oh, Jesus, well, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> yeah, but we're not going to – They're not. they are not going to Winton. They are not going to the Bend. They are not going to Queensland Raceway. What is this? Is this the Round the Houses Championship now? <laughs> well, we're not going to see we, we, we're not going because I go when they go. We're not going to Newcastle, of course, but there's still hope that that'll come back on the calendar at a later date. Um I just think there's so many holes in this thing that it just it's got got prickles. Like how much does it cost? Seriously, how much would it cost to go to Winton to do a round of the championship? It's not a matter of how much it costs, Andrew. It's a matter of how much money they can make. And the fact is that if they go and race at Winton, they don't make enough money. And that's why they don't go there. The Victorian government, they do get some government support, the uh, Benalla Auto Club. It comes from the Victorian Rural Advisement Community or the the Cut the Grass Down the Middle of the Hume Highway grant or... <laughs> might come from painting new signs on the old Hume Highway. They get various different monies from different departments of Victoria, you know, Victorian regional growth and sustainability and all that sort of stuff. But the problem is that they don't do it. And I'm going to get a whack here from Brad, but the problem is the Brad Jones of this world, which I don't understand because he's originally a grassroots racer, they don't want to go and race for nothing. And the problem is that it's supercars is a pure business. It's all about them making shitloads of money, and they could rock. They could rock up at Winton. 
they could say to them, listen, boys, you're only you're getting four sets of hard tyres for the weekend. You've got to use two sets of brake pads. Um, and anybody that runs into anybody else is going to get excluded from the meeting. They could have the cheapest meeting of the world. But you whatever, know, for whatever reason, they don't think outside the square like the three of us do. In fact, <laughs> I think outside the triangle sometimes. That's, so the other thing is, do you know how many people work at supercars, Brucey? Have a guess. Not many. Looks like I'm 150. Told, <laughs> but I'm oh, told the I'm number is 108. The number, the number of people that are paid, on, you mean? On the books. Yeah. I believe the number is 118 people, which is more, more than when race took over and complained about how, how high the overheads were. I might have to talk to Barclay about coming in and helping him uh, do a little bit of trimming. There you go. If, I'm, uh, if I was public enemy number seven before, I've just elevated myself to public enemy number five. 118 people. That is yep. staggering. Yep. Anyway, um, can we move on? Anyway, let's, let's get back to the real thing. One, well, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about going to Launceston in the middle of the year. Um, why didn't they swap Perth for Launceston? Well, because they want to, they want everybody to go there and freeze their cojones off. What a great time to go to Tasmania, the middle of winter. How dumb um, is that? Yep. The, um, uh, the and the on, sorry, the fares on the ferry will be cheap. <laughs> the icebreaker. <laughs> yeah, it'll be cheap. It'll be cheap on the way down, but I reckon there might be a few people coming back the other way in the middle of winter. Let me tell you. Yes. That said, if you get a nice day down there, it's beautiful, but it's going to be bloody cold overnight. I can tell you that one well, right now. Your thermals, and you want to find a couple of local, uh, a local honeys or hotties to uh, snuggle up and keep you warm, because I'm not sure they've got electricity down there. <laughs> Probably not. Um, the bend. We're not going there next year, but um, <laughs> I know I'm winding you up, Paulie. We spoke I about think, look, those people have spent more money. They've spent even more than Tony Quinn building that joint. I mean, like if you were just if you were going around the grounds, do they deserve to have a round? Absolutely they do. You know, I don't like the track very much, but that's a personal opinion. Um, but but I think, you know, we're supposed to be looking after permanent racetracks. Motorsport Australia, hello. If you don't have permanent racetracks, then what are you doing? That you know, they managed to turn Sydney Motorcycle well, Eastern Creek into a profit-making operation because it's opera- because it has something on every day. But you know, Winton's a permanent racetrack, QR's a permanent racetrack, and and uh, and the Bend is a permanent racetrack. They should get first dibs, not some other street race paid for by a state government who might. Oh, gee. What happened in Adelaide? Oh, they had a change of government and they shut the thing down and then they had how many years do we not have the street race in Adelaide for? Anyone. Well, that was partially COVID. But uh, and then you got Newcastle, the situation up there with the council getting cold feet. Like, Yeah, I agree with you. We, we need to focus on what, what keeps the sport growing. What keeps the sport growing is having good facilities and I'm not talking a $350 million track at Avalon. I'm talking about making sure that what we've got is working. So... <laughs> I'm a bit disappointed. I'm disappointed with the calendar and um, nothing's going to um, make me feel excited about it, not even going well, to Well, you don't even get to go to Singapore. After all the weather and bladder, all the Middle East, so we don't have well, – so we only uh, have – Horses there, PG. Hold your horses. Horses. Middle Sorry, East could still happen. Hold your camels, mate. 
don't uh, don't uh, move. Don't get rid of the camel just yet. You might be over there. Anyway, look, I've listened to you two ramble and rave, and I've got my own opinion on it all. I think you're right. I think the calendar's pretty bland. I think uh, the more events we run at Bathurst, the more uh, more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The less interesting. Diminish at Bathurst. Yeah. Sorry, Bathurst used to be. Um, Too many. A, a, a very, very special place to race. Back in the 60s and se- early 70s, there was the Easter Bathurst races and then there was the, the 500 or the 1,000 kilometre. Bathurst now is becoming way too much. The mystique, the the amazing sensation of going to Bathurst is being lost. But, you know, good on them. They haven't they, – they've decided to go and run their, their – a joint venture with the 12-hour and that, so that makes sense. What you say it's, about permanent racetracks is absolutely correct. Supercars need to, and I, Barks, I know you listen, you guys need to think about where the people that come into your category learn to race. You know, you need to sometimes not earn a fortune. Tell the team, sorry, boys, we're going to go and run at Winton this weekend or we're going to run it at bloody Queensland Raceway or wherever because – the people go, and we just we just need to support the people, and we need to support the local industry. Tony Quinn and the and the Shahins, who have invested hundreds of millions of dollars of their own money, have had a whack across the back of the face by by what's going on. It is disgraceful, and I'll probably get a text from you know who Barclay from um, Brighton, but that's how it is. So what bothers me about it most is, though, that the only way you grow is by putting it in front of more eyeballs. And um, 12 rounds is not putting it in front of too many eyeballs at all, and that's why the sport is shrinking. No matter what anybody wants to tell you, the sport is shrinking, um, and they're going to have to do something to turn it around, and they're going to have to do that quickly. Otherwise, the discussion we had about the financial position will be different. Can you imagine the AFL or Rugby League going, oh, we're going to run less, less events next year. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. I remember the good old days, um, and it's it's a while ago, but Super 2, Super 2 or Development Series or whatever it was called that month, used to go and run at places like Wakefield Park. <laughs> if supercars can't afford to put shows on at, um, at you know, Winton and Queensland Raceway and, and the Bend, they need to get off their dates and they need to send their, their second and third divisions along to these other venues like Wakefield Park that's been, been rejuvenated, like Winton, like Queensland Raceway. We're talking about the stars of the of the future. Now, I know that supercar teams get the shits when these super two cars are out there because, you know, of course these guys are racing there for half the money that their sponsors required to be on them. So why don't they take super two, make that a showcase and have a separate second division, make it – I mean, if Super 2 so good, Super 2 and Super 3 so good, they should be able to get a crowd of people there. So do that. Have three rounds at those natural venues that deserve to have supercars racing. You people, whether we like it or not, take all the money out of the sport. You need to give some of it back. Bruce, that is the smartest thing that you've said in a very long time. Not that you don't say an occasional smart thing, but that's a bloody brilliant idea. It's not like the invisible TCR championship, which has disappeared up its own exhaust pipe. Yes, you would actually get people to go and watch those cars. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Super 2, Super 3, 
um, the Kumo Super, whatever they're called, V8 Touring Cars, TCM, Trans Am, TCR. Like, TCR is, is, don't don't start me on the crap that's gone on the last two weekends. TCR is still a fantastic category, incredibly interesting cars, diversity of cars, diversity of manufacturers, diversity of drivers. Why not take Super 2 and Super 3, create that as a halo event for all of the other things? Come on, guys, you need to get on board with this. This is what's we, – we need to do this. This gives Winton an event, it gives Queensland Raceway event, and it gives a Shaheen's event, and we need to do it. Stop talking about it, just do it. And if we take best case scenario, like um, NASCAR with its second series, the the um, the trucks, not the trucks, the one next one up. The um, anyway, Xfinity, they have their own TV deal, separate to the main <laughs> thing. So you know, like it, it can be done if you've got a good put on a good enough show, people will turn on the TV set and they will watch it, and people will pay their money and go through the gate. And the That's enough of the calendar. They can do it for a lot less money. They can do it for a lot less money. Anyway, Absolutely. what else? Uh, course commentary. We hear that they're um, um, looking at bringing back course commentary, a, dis- a distinct course commentary with Chad Nayland, um heading up the show. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I'm a bit disappointed, to tell you the truth, that they um, could be taking Chad Nayland away from the um, commentary. Uh, no, they- no, no, no. They won't be lost the commentary. Um, they did it. At, I thought it was fantastic at Bathurst when they had people who were commentating during the shootout and they were actually – not part of the TV telecast. I think it's great. Chad will jump backwards and forwards. He won't be just doing track commentary. But you've got to remember there are some bloody brilliant commentators out there that we normally only hear when the Utes are running around or something else, you know, Crailsy um, and, 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 and all those guys. What about they, the big fella? They what do about the big fella? Matt Nolte. Matt Nolte. Yeah. But- I reckon I could probably put my hand up. I could inject a bit of colour into the on-course commentary. <laughs> yeah, most of it would be blue, Bruce. I don't <laughs> think so. No, no, AC and Elko are cleaning him up. <laughs> I think it's blo- I think it's bloody marvellous to have proper tr- course commentary. I nothing agree. There's nothing worse than being on the hill, and I know because I've walked around a number of tracks and tried to keep – finding out what's going on, and they're blathering away about something that I can't even see um, instead of actually talking. I mean, I used to go to a place called Warwick Farm, Bruce, and I can still remember they'd say, and now they've gone out of my sight and you'll be seeing them soon. And they actually handed around the track. That's great. Uh, John, they're coming through now. They've just gone across the causeway. We're going to hand over to Johnny Smiles. John, what's happening? Yeah, Bathurst, they used to run the um, commentary from up top as well. So Luke West used to sit up there and do that one That's year, right. which was they really good. The tower from the top end. We, we're going to pass over to the yeah. Castrol Tower and the uh, top of the hill now. What's going on up there, mate? Oh, Jesus, there's yeah. been a huge pile up down here. I don't know if you blokes know about that yet. or But uh, anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I think it's a good idea. I just hope that they're not pushing Chad sideways a bit too much because anyway. um, I thought he did a great job when he was filling in for the main game. Fair enough. Um, Let's move on. Adrian Burgess. Uh, the hot word is the hot word is that he has um, leaving supercars and will be gone by the end of the year. Um, well, we're reliably informed that um, Adrian has actually resigned, and um, uh, there's there's mixed there's mixed sentiment about that. And um, 
you know, there's no <laughs> doubt that that Adrian would have been a man in the in the spotlight. And when I say spotlight, it would have been a laser beam. The whole Gen Gen three thing, he's had to work through that environment of the the business sale, the development, the changing of the rules, the COVID, and um, you know the pressures from Triple Eight, the pressures from Ford, and all that sort of stuff. It's been a difficult time, and of course, he obviously had the personal issue re- recently with um, with which we all know about the public issue with his drink driving. And um, I think that um, you know Adrian sort of decided that possibly it's time to pass it on. This is yet to be confirmed, but this is what we're being told. And um, good on him. I hope it gives him the opportunity to take a deep breath, get some fresh air under his wings and um, do something else because he's been in the sport for a long time. He knows a lot about it. Bit of chat that he might end up with another team or within a team in supercars. That's being met with huge, and I say huge, resistance from a couple of team members. And uh, so that's quite Why would they be resisting that, Bruce? Uh, he might. He might know too much. He might know too much. Who knows? But um, look, well, if he's further down, if he goes to a team, if he goes to a team that's further down the grid, maybe knowing too much will just get them back to sort of parity. Oh, sorry, didn't mean to say the p word. <laughs> anyway, I think that was being a very good fight over that. Adrian's been a controversial figure in the pit lane for a little while. Uh, we certainly don't wish him. Um, bad here at auto, at auto Action. I personally don't have a relationship with Adrian. I've only spoken to him a few times. Um, but he's a man with a lot, lot of knowledge, And um, but I think in the last probably six or 12 months he's, he's probably, as anyone would be, the way it's dragged on and been been uh, been dealt with, it's probably been a tough time. So um, if yep. he's taken the decision to leave and or resign, good on him. But we keep hearing about Tim from Thomastown, who's um, in the With Sundays at the moment, we keep hearing that they're trying to get him on board to sort out Gen 3. Tim says, are we spreading rumours? That's what he said to me. Oh. So, um, you know. Nothing, we- nothing wrong with spreading rumours, and we're only <laughs> repeating things that we hear from other people in the pit lane after all. Yes. I think he'd be a great person to um, to come on board and do it just personally. I think he'd have he's got the understanding of the engineering, et cetera, but he's also got the commercial applications of what you're actually doing on a team and in the car. So I think it would be a brilliant and inspired choice if they can make it happen, Bruce. The potential, um, if if um, if Tim from Thomastown or Tim soon to be late of Thomastown uh, takes the role, it'll be an expanded role. It'll be a different role. It'll be a head of motorsport. And um, I've spoken to a couple of team owners and they – the the head, like a motorsport role, they're very very supportive of Tim uh, in that position. And um, personally, I reckon it'd be great. I think it'd be fantastic. He knows the sport. He's been he's been weaving and ducking and dodging and pulling rugs out from under things and doing all sorts. I mean, ducking and weaving has been his his specialty for uh, quite a long time. And um, I think it'd be fantastic. It'd be an asset. He's a guy that the sport can't afford to lose. I know that he's tired. I know he's buggered. And I know that the pair of them want to get off and and go and have a holiday. Um, And uh, maybe that's what he should do. But I reckon if if we lose him to the sport, it'd be a great tragedy. And I know that both you, PG, and Andrew think the same thing. Absolutely. Yep. I just want to see more of Happy Teddy, not, <laughs> yeah. grump, not Grumpy Teddy. 
He's he's much good. He's good, good bloke. Um, one last thing on supercars. Obviously, we're coming up to the end of Shane Van Gisbergen's time in supercars. So, uh, as this PG calls him, SV gone. Um, I, I might, might want to talk nicely because I think I did a pretty good story on him this month. This month, um, Bruce, did you actually read it, <laughs> Andrew? Um, I think there might be some sort of gooey affection between the two of you. And I'll say this in all sincerity, I, I, I really like the conversation. I think the great Shane, this is this is true, this is me coming from the heart. Shane has been a polarising figure in the sport for a long time. He came into the sport, you know, 15, 16, 18 years ago. Um, he was a very, very young kid. He, he hit his mark straight away. People started talking about him. Then there was the controversy where he wanted to get out of of a drive and there was all sorts of rumours as to why. And I think that polarised people. But I think that Shane is very much like Alan Moffat is. Alan Moffat was was deemed to be this arrogant, ignorant, hard-ass bastard that didn't, people didn't like because they, he wouldn't talk to them. I just think Shane is a very personal – he's a very personal and, and, and slightly introverted sort of a guy who just happens to love – driving cars and it doesn't matter whether it's speedway or rally cars or supercars and he just happens to be really good at it and that's how he makes his money and your i think what's tipped him over the edge in the relationship with you andrew was that you had a genuine interest in what he was doing in america and going to that nascar race and he looked underneath from out from underneath his hoodie and you know, he does wear a hoodie a lot and he, he ducks and weaves under the hoodie and he spotted the bloke with the long white hair and thought, geez, I know that bloke from somewhere. Oh, shit, not you, here. <laughs> and, and I think what we're going to find out about Shane is that he's been very protective of his private, of his of himself. And I think what we're going to learn is that um, he's actually a really interesting bloke. I think he's the sort of guy that I'd like to get on the piss with. and. I'm really, really looking forward to watching what he does in America. I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the sport. And, yeah, it's a really good article, Andrew, and you should be very proud of the fact that you've been able to form that relationship with him because um, he's somebody that – he, you're somebody that he trusts, and uh, I think that's really good. And um, I think he'll be a loss to the sport. I really do. Yeah, I think the interesting thing to me was the discussion about Marcus Ambrose and uh, when Marcus Ambrose left the sport, he and, and even when he was here, like he didn't have a great relationship with the media. He had a few people in the media that he dealt with and he was okay with, but most of them he just didn't like. And and Shane's pretty much the same. That uh, there's this distrust sitting there between them. Andrew, I have to say that most of the people in the media I don't like either. So it's not like. It's not like I, I don't get it. I mean, there's not many. Well, that was one of our unifying things. There's not many of the people in the media that and I. And how would you like to? Have, how would you like to have to sit in in at a table, have a whole lot of them asking you stupid questions, Brucey? Well, I, I've been on that, and um, yeah, no. Look, as I said, I don't like the motorsport media either, so I'm on board with with SVG. But it's really interesting because. Both of these guys, both Marcus and um, and uh, Shane. I mean, you know, Marcus is sort of from the third island of New Zealand down there in Tas Tas Zealand, <laughs> and um, you know, uh, SVGs from over there. I mean, basically, they're the the 
the isolated islands of Australia. And, uh, you know, they both went over to NASCAR. You watch how all the wankers that shit can Shane will all be jumping on the bandwagon when he starts winning races. Like, oh, I always loved Shane, always followed Shane. You know, good on him. He can flip the bird as far as I'm concerned to everybody out here. I don't care. Good on him. I won't be offended. Anyway, just a gentle plug that was for this issue of the magazine. So uh, make sure you pick that up if you want to read what Shane Van Gisbergen has to say. And it's done in a Q&A so that there's nothing I've put between what he said. So uh, can't be misquoted in that sense. So we did it that way. Um, I reckon that's it for supercars. We might move on a little bit now because um, I got my first editorial in the magazine this week and it was on um, TCR. And no, uh, how disappointed no. I was. And the ARG Speed Series type thing. Yes. Oh, Bruce, it have I got it wrong? Your, your editorial wasn't – come on, Andrew, you wrote it. I didn't uh, tell you what to write. <laughs> um, no, we're not interest, We're not disappointed in TCR. What Far I'm from pissed it. off about and what you're pissed off about and what PG's pissed off about and a whole heap of people in the sport is that two motor racing events were on two weekends in a row. One in Sydney at um, Eastern Creeks Motorsport Park or whatever it's called, and at Bathurst, the sacred place of Bathurst, and nobody was there. They could have taken an old greyhound bus and they wouldn't have filled it with the spectators that were at those two events. It is an absolute – There were it was a round, two rounds of a World Series for touring cars, uh, for uh, TCR, and there was nobody there. The people that are involved in running that that those events, that Speed Series events at Bathurst and at Eastern Creek, they need to hang their heads in shame. They should be embarrassed. And whoever is responsible for the for whatever they call it, the marketing or whatever, they need to go to that room in Lunar Park where all those curvy, bubbly, wobbly mirrors are and have a damn good look at themselves because it is a disgrace. Because that racing with Trans Am, with TCR and all the other events was on, was fantastic, and not one person saw it. Pretty sad. Anyway, that's the basics of that was that, um, you know, I, I kind, of, kind of sit there and I'm wondering, you know, will the TCR international mob, like, will I, they're going to go away from Australia. Are they going to, like, say, like the GT4 guys did, uh, maybe we don't need the people who are running it. We're going to do something else. No, they'll end up like the World Rally Championship, which went to Coffs Harbour, where nobody turned up, and they went, I'm not doing this again. Yeah. Yep, it's a bit sad. Anyway, I'm a bit, a bit disappointed, so, um, yeah, you gave me my words and I spewed them out. Um, we're going to take another quick break. The Subaru Canberra Rally of Canberra returns this weekend for the grand final of the Bosch Motorsport Australia Rally Championship. Four-time winner Harry Bates will battle his brother Lewis for championship honours with a bumper field of contenders, including Subaru's Molly Taylor lining up to spoil the party. Catch all the action on Saturday out past Cotter Reserve and at the Cowan Rally Village on Sunday with the championship designing Eero Power Stage and Podium Celebrations. Visit our Facebook and Instagram or rallyofcanberra.com.au. All right, guys, this weekend, Formula One in Las Vegas. Strangely, I'm actually quite looking forward to it, and Las Vegas is never really a place that's appealed to me. The track doesn't look so great. Um, looks like it's got a few boring bits to it, but I'm actually looking forward to it. What about you, PG? Are you looking forward to Las Vegas? No, I'm not looking forward to Las Vegas. 
It's going oh. to be dreadful. It's another street. Didn't that comes through at 5 exactly. p.m. on Sunday. Uh, well, the only good thing about it is the time zone works for us for, for once. But I've been to Las Vegas and I hate to join. So I'm, I'm a little bit tempered that way. Mind you, I would go over there if I could get some tickets to the Kylie Minogue show, not Celine Dion, Kylie Minogue. Um, and do we really need to have, like, just stop it. Just stop. I've had enough. Max has won enough. He's had 326 wins this year. Sergio <laughs> Perez has had two. It's time to stop. <laughs> Bruce, you're chomping at the bit. Dare I say it, Andrew? <laughs> Formula One are rolling the dice uh, with this event at Las Vegas. And um, oh, we were, we were throwing up the headlines, weren't we, yesterday? <laughs> well, they were. And the reality is that uh, viewers out there that may or may not know this, this is not the first time Formula One's visit Las Vegas. They had a little dabble in Las Vegas, I think, in um, 1981, 82, 83, if I remember correctly. In fact, no, 1980. Yeah, Alan Jones won there once. Jones AJ, and uh, he stopped Steel. his teammate winning the world championship there once as well. He was very happy about that. <laughs> AJ, and it was pretty amazing because they raced in the car park. That's how big places in, in America are. They raced around Caesars Palace car park. And if you want to see some of the ugliest racetrack footage ever for Formula One, YouTube the Las Vegas 1981 or 80 Grand Prix, Formula One Grand Prix, pretty average. But we're promised that this is going to be spectacular. That's why they're running at midnight local time. But, um, Andrew, you've detailed it's going to be dodgy. It could be some surprises. And I'm getting in early. Yeah. I'm getting in early. This may not be a Red Bull victory, though. There you go. Um, I'm predicting that possibly someone other than Red Bull will win at this weekend. Well, in the spirit of Las Vegas, I'll have 20 bucks against you on that, Bruce. Are you okay? You up for a $20 bet? <laughs> I'll bet you twenty bucks. I'll bet you twenty bucks. In the spirit of Las Vegas, I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to spin the roulette wheel, and I'm going to take your twenty bucks that Red Bull don't win this weekend. There you go. I think the one point nine kilometer straight just plays into Red Bull's hand. So I'm, I'm with PG. I can't see anything else but a Red Bull one-two. I actually think it's so easy that Perez is going to make it onto the podium. What about I take 20 bucks off you too, Andrew? <laughs> well, if I was a gambling person, we'd be in. No, no, you, you, you're you you're supposed to be an expert on this sport, Andrew. You knew it had a one-point-kilometre tra- straight. 1.9. Yeah, so you know it's 1.9. So you need to put your money where your tech, where, where your facts and figures are. You're the, you're the numbers man. Well, I think there's no doubt that Red Bull's going to win. So if you really have to do it, then I'll take. I'll do that as well, Bruce. So you're forty you bucks short next week. <laughs> forty okay. bucks down. Who do you think's going to beat them, Bruce? Who and how and why? Who's going to beat them? Um, it could be anybody that's not in a Red Bull car. So it could be McLaren. They've been <laughs> very. Mm, mm, hang on, hang on, hang on. More than we one. are laughing, Bruce. You have noticed that we are laughing. <laughs> you poor silly old fools! It could be Ferrari. I'm just, I'm just suggesting, I'm suggesting Singapore. So it's up to you, blokes. Yeah. You can shake down and laugh, but I'm thinking possibility of Ferrari. I'm thinking a, it, it's a as as you've indicated, Andrew. It's, it's not dissimilar to when they race in Abidjan, 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 
um, or uh, some of those other places. And um, yeah. Anyway, look, I stand to be Pretty interesting. I stand to be thrown out of the casino with my gambling suggestions, or I'm going to be forty bucks better off. So uh, happy to take mm. that in cash or a slab. I don't care. Well, I do love the fact that it's going to be on at 5 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, whatever they call it. So uh, 5 o'clock Melbourne, Sydney, and uh, 4 o'clock in um, – is it 4 o'clock for you, PG? Or yeah, right? even better for me, 4 o'clock. I'll be able yeah. to get the race in before I fall asleep. No, actually, it'll help me fall asleep based on Max's efforts this year. Yes. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be quite spectacular. It's right. so big and so important that you two had to pause their residency in Las Vegas while they uh, use their facility for certain things. So uh, pretty good, I reckon. Anyway, Bruce, this issue, what do we got in this issue? Mate, it's jam-packed. We've got, um, well, it's a big um, Adelaide 500 preview issue. We've got your fantastic interview with Shane Van Gisbergen, which is really good. It's really in, insightful and entertaining. We've got, uh, if you want to know, and I'm serious, viewers, if you want to know what Brody or Shane need to do to win this championship this year, our resident, our resident stats perv, Andrew Clark, has come up with charts and arrows and bits and pieces i got to tell you, I let him loose this issue. There are charts everywhere. Um, so it's quite detailed. Basically it comes down to it's head-to-head. -head. There's only two blokes can win it. Um, and Andrew's del delved in deeply. He's got the calculator. He's had the abacus. He's got the bloody the sundial, the hourglass, all of the things that people need to work it out. And if you want to know what happens, if uh, – if Shane wins and uh, Brody finishes second, or if Shane finishes first and Brody finishes seventh, what needs to happen? It's all there, plus all the support events, and of course, it's full of historic action. Um, it, it it's it's a good issue. There's lots in it, as always. You know, we've been doing this stuff for more than fifty years. There's pages and pages and pages of nationals coverage, and unlike the rest of the media. We've covered in depth the the Bathurst International and the um, the event they had the weekend before at um, Eastern Creek. So as much and all as they tried to keep it a secret, we sent some people some spies in and we got the undercover information. <laughs> we actually dug deep and we delved and we found out there was a race meeting on. And I know they didn't want us to do it, but viewers, if you want to know that there were two race meetings on. It's all in this issue of auto action. Excellent. Thanks for that. So that's Plus, on sale. To Plus we've got Barclay on the record talking about we what's got going on. Barclay on the record. He's a bit nervous, but he's on the record. Well, which one story should I read first, Brucey? Should I ring should I read Barclay or should I read Shane? Because you know how Shane and I have a bit of a bit of a prickly relationship. Mate. I think you read the um, you read page three, which is the Barclay Netafold telling us what's going on. There's a bit of an explanation about the championship and some other news and tits and bits and whatever, and lots of nationals coverage. And then you slide into Andrew's high quality interview with Shane. I I'm going to shake Shane's hand regardless of what he does at the end of this year because he's done a great job. And I'm going to be one of those blokes who'll be watching, sitting there watching every single race that he does in NASCAR. Yeah, beautiful. Um, Bruce, time to get the veins popping. 
You wound up about something today? Well, <clears throat> um, I've got to tell you, I've been talking to a few mates of mine. We went out to Sandown and we got pretty wound up in it all and there's some ca- great characters out there. I had the had the great pleasure of spending some time with Jim Richards. Jim is Jim's not only an icon but a, a, a really lovely, lovely man and John Shepherd, another icon of the sport. And 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 John Bow, I spent some time talking to him, and I I reflected upon how much how great the sport was when individual people, whether it was engineers or car builders or mechanics or whatever. Um, and I even spoke to uh, Malcolm Osler. Uh, I have to say, Malcolm was a bit of a disappointment. Uh, he was too busy reading the Daily News. Sorry, Andrew. You're a bit you're a bit flat there for a whack, Bruce. Can you like ramp it up a bit, Andrew? Oh, I'm building up. I'm um, <laughs> I'm trying to lay the Have foundation. You got a long run up, are you, Brucey? It's a long <laughs> run up. Just touching the side screen. It's a new wall, and I'm just making sure the gold writing on the polish on the writing is looking really, really good. So I get to the point where is I walk around the Sandown meeting and the historics and. There's so many beautiful cars all competing against each other and funnily enough, they're all achieving the same sort of end result. They're all doing similar lap times in creating it in different ways and everybody's, you walk along and you pause at every single car because every car's a little bit different and everyone's had a little bit of pride and some wacko who's got no ideas, put this big chunky spoiler on the front. Poor old bastard, he has no idea that it doesn't work or whatever. <laughs> or he's, You know, you can clearly see there's some absolute lunatics being involved in the sport over the last 100 years and quite clearly some people who have got no idea and some of these cars look like they're complete death traps. But <laughs> I, 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 I digress. But what I'm trying to say here is, and this is the whack, what a disgusting thing it is in this country that we are going down the road of this sterile, single-tasted flavour of motorsport that we're becoming. If you like vanilla viewers, then stay tuned because the people that pull the strings in motorsport in this country have taken control. There'll be no more Neapolitan or Strawberry Delight or, or even Banana Fantastic Chocolate Fudge. It's all going to be straight vanilla. And uh, my whack is all about the neutering of motorsport. It's taking what used to be the, the, the horny Merino ram and ripping his knackers off in the bloody back paddock and giving him a quick shear and just sending him out into the paddock with all the other shorn sheep. They all look the bloody same. So what I'm suggesting is, the homogenization, the the neutering of motorsport is more and more prevalent in this sport. We've got supercars now. They're losing all their smart people. They're all going off to go and work in the dairy industry or the cheese industry or the medics industry or, heaven forbid, making roads because working on supercars isn't interesting anymore because – Basically, you buy the bits off some flange down the road who, who got the contract to make the 337 widgets for, for that particular car. And um, I'm, I'm deeply concerned that unlike places like Argentina and South America and 
all these other countries where people can actually go out and throw their ideas on a on a what, what's that word? It's got Barry. Got I've actually got Mark from uh, Malvern with me. Um, that you know what's that? What's that thing? That trestle they can throw their throw their artistic style. <laughs> anyway, I'm 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 deeply perturbed by this because I'm starting to recognise a bit of a pattern, and the pattern is that a certain organisation gets control of a category and they go right. How can we maximise our income from this category? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to make sure that all the cars are exactly the same and that the only places they can buy these cars and these parts from are us. And um, poor old PG, he's he's got that smile. I can see the steam coming out of his ears now, but the latest, I mean, we've got supercars now, the homologised and pasteurised supercars where only people who are patient and in, vaguely interested in bolting bits together will hang around um, because all the great engineers have, uh, are starting to walk away. And um, even Barry says to me the other day, he goes, I've got a couple of cars here and these cars, I look at these cars, they came out of the same building and yet they're so different and so interesting to look at. And um, anyway, yeah. so we've got supercars, pasteurised, neutralised, boring, and we've got Carrera Cup. You know, you can't stick an aftermarket air filter in your in your 9917 or whatever it is this month and, and give it a bit of a tweak on the throttle body and uh, get the old die grinder out and open her up a bit. No, you can't do that. And uh, Trans Am, well, you can only buy the bits for the Trans Am. You can't buy the bits from Trans Am in America or the four or five manufacturers that make the stuff over there. You can only buy them from one organisation, so they're all the bloody same, except for the bloke who can hop the shocks up without anybody knowing about it. And more recently, of course, we've got the Toyota 86 series. Now, PG, you're not allowed to interrupt because I know you want to speak. I know. But I speak. Well, I'll let you go, Bruce. I love it when you have a, I love it when you have a whack. And besides, I know if you speak up, you're going to whack me. PG, you know I love you. You know I love you dearly. We were teammates in the Sandown 500 at Bathurst back in the old days. When we built our own car, remember those good old days? Absolutely. The Toyota 86, what a tremendous race series it's been. You know, I was one of the original Muppets who went, signed up and bought a car and built a car. I bought a brand new car off the showroom, paid through the nose for it, and I built a car myself in my workshop. We bought the roll cage kit and we – anyway, we did it all. We bought the kit from Batesy's and all that stuff, and we were very lucky that in um, – Two of the three years that we ran that car, we had two really good young drivers and we won the championship in 17 and, and finished second. We won that championship with Jimmy Vernon, uh, who did a fantastic job in 17 and in 18 we ran uh, Luke King and he had a fantastic year and finished in uh, second position. The point I make is that uh, we were able to build that car ourselves. You know, we, we, we bought all the bits, we bought the car, blah, 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 blah. And I had a young guy working for me in my workshop at the time who was a young apprentice in Ballarat. And um, those of you that have gone barking mad may have just, uh, may have just, uh, that wasn't the apprentice, that was his, uh, his pet puppy dog. Anyway, recently we've, um, we've been told that all the Toyota 86 cars now all have to be purchased from one person. So that's great. It's fantastic. We know the cars will all be the same. I'm a bit confused because for the last seven years I've been told by Neil and Chad that all the cars are identical. But now 
I can't even go and say to a young kid, mate, I'll buy you a car. Here's some. Here's a car. Here's some money. You build the car. You put together. We'll get some kids to work on the car and build the car and we'll run it and we'll learn together. Those days are over and that's what pisses me off. I'm not disagreeing with you, Bruce, because you'll remember that I started in rallying and built my own car. And uh, you'll remember that when you were run the HQ, Bruce, I remember you building that car. And even the car that the first time we drove together was in a Winton 300 in an MR2. And I remember having a bit of fiddle with that car. There is something deeply satisfying about learning. Even, even if you're trying to find out, as I did with my Toyota Corolla, which brake pads to use, because we tried about 15 different types, they didn't work. But, yeah, you're right. You need to learn, and the sort of knowledge you get gets sanitised with all this stuff. Now, I'm not going to get into the rights or wrong of the 86 situation, but too many categories are exactly as you're talking about, Bruce. You know, Formula Ford. Remember the Formula Ford days when there were all these different types of Formula Fords on the on the grid? I, I you know... Formula Four, they want to come back again. All these categories, and it's all one make stuff, and it's just, it's counterintuitive. You know, Paul Sepernich up on the Gold Coast, what a great man he is. What a huge innovator. Imagine what he thinks about all this rubbish. Well, I, 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 look, I say it again, and I appreciate what you've said, Paul. Um, and I know that Neil Bates and his mates are going to build some great cars, and they'll all be fantastic. But it's a great tragedy that. We're going down this road where I can't go and, and, and scratch around if I'm a poor person. And, and, and the category, I suppose what I'm trying to say is the categories that I really love are the categories where somebody can buy an old, I don't know, call it a 350Z. And next week, you need to remind me, boys, go and buy an old car and slowly build it up. Like improved production is one of the great categories in this country. XLs are good because people can build them and add them and blah, blah, blah. We need, seriously, this sterilisation of motorsport in Australia needs to stop. The people in power need to stop being lazy. They need to stop this introduction of self-scrutineering and self-policing and seriously get back to motorsport being the place where innovation occurs, not where people just follow along and go, sorry, you've got to put the red stripe on that corner of the car and you've got to put the blue stripe on that corner of the car that's what i'm talking about that's what i loved about sandown all these wacko weirdo formula 5000s and wacko and weirdo sports sedans and open wheelers and touring cars it was so refreshing to see all this creativity and innovation and mechanical artwork sure some of them get it wrong. Some of them have got no idea. But they love what they've created and they love it and so do we. That's it. And I think as our discussion today was, Bruce, that um, we can develop racing car drivers, but how are we going to develop engineers and mechanics if we don't let them have a chance at it? So I think everybody will be with you on this one except for those who are going to profit from the homogenization. That's the word, Bruce, homogenization. Thought I'd Thank help you with that, you know. Anyway, let's have a quick chat because um, we're about to round this show out. Um, the uh, Australian Rally Championships in Canberra this weekend, as we heard a couple of minutes ago. Um, PG, you know a little bit about this place. Well, I was a Canberra correspondent. I did live there for 12 years. I rallied in the forest. I love Canberra. I hate the fact that the mine shaft is not the rally anymore. 
Um, the interesting thing about uh, the interesting thing about the rally in Canberra is the top ten cars. Now you can say it's the uh, Neil Bates Championship because his two sons are the only two people who can win it, Harry or Lewis. Um, but there's a bunch of other cars there. You remember Alex Rulo? Remember him from Supercars? He's yep. now driving a Skoda in the Australian Rally Championship. Molly Taylor in a Subaru. Scott Petter in a Subaru. I think it's good. What do you think, Brucey? I know it's great. I, I I like the fact there's a whole heap of um, new and interesting cars. And of course, uh, my mate Ben my mate Ben Searcy, who used to bravely sit next to me in the uh, Tarmac Rally days, and when we were uh, racing the Subaru in um, some Tarmac Rally events, Ben Searcy is sitting next to Rulo in the. Um, is it a Skoda, um, Paul? Yes, he is running. Uh, no, I believe they've now switched to uh, Hyundai. Oh, okay. Look, it's a great event. And I'm, we, look, I remember the good old days and they used to blo- rise, r- roar over the crest of that hill and drop 100 or 120 feet down into that creek bed, the old mine shaft. Look, it's a great event. Um, <laughs> screams of fear going over the mine shaft, let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> and uh, we, I'm not sure if too many people know, but Paul was, uh, he was a rally driver of note. There were many back in the days when Paul was out there roaring around the forest. Gum trees were known to uproot themselves and move away from particular corners because they were quite fearful they were <laughs> going to get covered. But um, rallying's fantastic. Well, then, I did cover the odd tree. You're not if you don't hit the scenery, you're not trying in rallying, Bruce. Well, <laughs> and as my as my good mate Ari Vatnam once said to me, small crash, no time lost. <laughs> I yeah. Uh, I, I had a Datsun 1600 that I slept in a few times, not particularly because I wanted to, but because of where it was parked off the road. And um, it was always very cold in the middle of the uh, Wombat Forest in the middle of winter, so we won't go there. But uh, anyway. Wonderful sport, Bruce, and you do get to see parts of Australia that you'd never want to see again. Exactly. Yes. Let's hope the round goes incredibly well for the guys up there. Um, I know there's been a bit of effort put into it from our good mate Peter Norton, and one of our photographers at Auto Action is looking after all of that sort of stuff. So um, anyway, that's it for this show, guys. Um, thanks for your time. I think we've waffled a little bit today. I've done it in three recordings, so I can't even tell you how long. But uh, if this isn't an hour, I'll go jump. Uh, it's more than that. Yeah, it's like all those gems that we put in the paper, isn't it? Like every word's a gem. We can't lose any of them. <laughs> anyway, thanks, PG, for your time. Um, enjoy your time in Melbourne for the next day. Yeah, it'll be wonderful, and then I get to go home to the warmth because, let me tell you, it's bloody freezing here in Melbourne. Bruce, thanks for your time too. Thanks, guys. It's been great. Till next week. We'll see you then. That was the Auto Action Rev Limiter. We'd love you to subscribe and like our podcast and leave some comments. You never know when we're giving something away or we'll use your thoughts to guide the show. And don't forget to get your copy of Auto Action, the digital version, It's out every second Wednesday night, and the print version is available on Thursday wherever you buy your magazines. Thanks for listening, and thanks for understanding.